Our Old Testament reading today is from the book of Exodus. It can be found on pages 73 and 74 of the Pew Bible. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. This is the word of the Lord. For our New Testament reading this morning, we're going to read Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. That's on page 980 and 981 of the Red Pew Bible you want to follow along. So this is Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thanks be to God.
Well, crazy passages for um, Christmas, huh? Well, we've been talking together about, um, about humility. Our focus this Christmas season has been the humility of Christ, who was in the very form God, right? Completely God, completely man, and yet humbled himself enough to become one of us so that we might know him, right? And then we get to see the end of the story in our passage. How are you doing on the memory part of that? Anybody trying to do that? Um, some of you have it memorized already, but I had invited you several weeks ago to memorize um, Philippians 2, 1 through 11. What? 11 verses? Um, is, is a word of God wasted ever? Ever? Right? One of the reasons we have chosen um, a, a version of the Bible to use here, you're certainly welcome to use any that you do, is because it's so literal. The ESV is very literal. Uh, it's sometimes awkward in English, but it's, it's very literal. But we do not want to miss one ounce of what God has in store for us. And, and even in the last hours uh, in, in Discovery Bible Study, uh, we were exploring this passage and several people saw things I had never seen. I have looked at this passage. I've preached on this passage so many times. And there, God always has more for us in his word. And I want to invite you to, to drink deep of the Christmas story in all its glory. It's one story, amen? From, from Genesis 1-1 all the way to Revelation 21. It's one story. And, and, and we'll see that even today in our passage that God prepared 500 years before it happened for this one event to happen. And, and, and they got to be a part of it. Well, here's, here's the amazing truth. You get to be a part of it, right? God just doesn't speak to priests. He doesn't just speak to, to in miraculous ways to people beyond childbearing years. He doesn't just speak to teenagers. He speaks to us all. And so I just want to invite you, open your heart today, even for these few moments, again to God's Word. Am I not on, Chris? Is that the signal that you're giving me? Okay, no, you're doing good. You're doing good. Pray with me, would you? God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts today, that would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen? Oh, my goodness. Well, let's, let's pick up this story together. Uh, this amazing story of Christ humbling himself and, and not just becoming flesh. That would have been enough if God had incarnated him as a, a fully grown um, king of kings and lord of lords. But he didn't do that, right? And I think that there's truth for us as we explore that real story. There's truth for us and blessing for us. And, and I think that you'll discover, like I have, that that, um, that it becomes so much more real to me when I really understand it. So we're looking today at this amazing story. Just to recap again, the portions of the Christmas story that we have addressed over the last weeks are, are when, uh, when the angel appeared to Mary. Do you remember that? And do you remember the response that Mary had? She was troubled and afraid. And the angel said, don't be afraid. Right? And spoke into her fears. Remember that? Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for him, right? And, and then we saw that, that God had already been working in a, a priest and his wife's life 
and, and he had prepared the way so that, that when Mary got that news and she went running off to the, the person that the angel had mentioned, went running off a hundred miles away to her, her, um, her relative Elizabeth, that, that Elizabeth immediately affirmed what the angel had said, right? If there was still remnants of fear and, and, and I, I hear God speak to me, don't be afraid. And then I can confess this morning, there's still these fears in my life, right? There's still these fears. That if, if she had remnants of fear left with her, then, then Elizabeth affirmed before she ever opened her mouth. Well, she did open her mouth. Shalom. And Elizabeth dumps the truck and, said, and, and affirms everything that the angel had said and, and, and blessed her in that. And we, and we just rejoice that God puts people in our lives who affirm what God is doing, who affirm the truths that we've been learning. What I love about today's passage is, is that God speaks to all of us it's very, um, very particular the way that um, that Luke puts this, and and again he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. All Scripture is God breathed, right? Uh, God put these words into His mouth, and He and He wrote them down into His hand. He wrote them down, and, and not one of them is wasted. And so the, the, we left the story in in. Um, Jerusalem, right, in the area of Jerusalem. Now, now nine months later, through a, a, an amazing act, God uses the government to call for a census, and Joseph and Mary now make their way down that hundred miles again, this time not by herself, that's good, but nine months pregnant, that's not good. On a donkey, that's really not good, right? And they come, and, 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 and in this amazing passage that we will unpack on Christmas Eve Eve, on that evening service, we will unpack this part of the story. But in this amazing sequence of events, um, God uh, puts her in exactly the place where his story can be affirmed. He puts her in the lowest floor, the lowest floor of a, probably a relative's house. I know I'm blowing some of your minds, but we'll pick it up on Christmas Eve. And, and amidst the animals and the livestock, and she births the Messiah in, in the midst of livestock and puts him in a manger. Why? Not one word is wasted. We've said over and over again, why? Right? Well, we pick up the story in the same region, right? In this region of Bethlehem, near Jerusalem. Bethlehem is maybe seven miles from, from uh, Jerusalem. A suburb, as it were, of Jerusalem and in the same region, there are shepherds in the field. Now, we've talked before, and, and I was confessing this morning that, that, that I have such a high view of shepherds because I, I understand God has a shepherd heart, right? And so I elevate shepherds. I think of David, who was a shepherd, and, and God made him king, right? Uh, I, I, I think of these shepherds. I know the story of these shepherds, and I go, look at how God bless these shepherds. Shepherds are, are important biblical figures, right? But in that culture, they were not important biblical figures. Um, shepherds were oftentimes the leftovers, right? If you couldn't do anything else, then you were a shepherd. That might be why I'm a pastor. I've never dawned on me before. But, uh, you know, teachers, you know, never mind. Um, here, I've always had this elevated view of shepherds, but in that culture, it was always the youngest, always the lame, the ones that couldn't do other meaningful work who, who did that business of shepherding. 
And so in that region, in the region where shepherds shepherd the very flocks, here's a hint, that would one day be offered on the altar in the temple, God showed up. Uh, An angel, third time, right? An angel appears to the shepherds. And guess what? We've heard this script over and over again. They are troubled and they are very afraid. We have highlighted, if you haven't been with us, that this, it's not, not a simple thing to encounter an angel. I know that we encounter angels unawares all the time, right? But these angels were, were glorious and, 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 and honestly frightening to the three people we've seen so far that they appeared to. The angels appear to the shepherds. And I guess I, I want to make that a point. If you'd like to take notes today, you've been so patient this Christmas season. I, was, I haven't given you a lot of notes in, in the thing. But the glory of God is a frightening thing. Now, why, why would that be important, right? We've seen it three times that the glory of God shows up in, in, a, in a messenger. A reflected glory shows up and, and the people are greatly troubled and, and frightened to death. Why? Because glory, the glory of God is a frightening thing. Now, I, I say that, and, and we are going to all, every person in this room is going to encounter the glory of God, right? Some, someday, we're all going to encounter that, right? And the question is not whether we will encounter the glory of God. The question is, will we be ready, right? Will we be ready? God has sent his word so that we might prepare ourselves for encountering him. And, and John struggling, John, beloved disciple of Jesus, John, the one who got it so much more than I ever will, still struggle to find words to describe this experience of God's glory in, in Revelation. And so, um, so we do well to take this to heart that, that we are going to encounter the glory of God. And this morning is a part of our preparation for encountering that glory. We want to be ready. And, and the beauty of God is that he loves you so much that he did not blow you away like Moses with his glory, right? I realize that i got wires coming out all over me here. He did not blow us away like Moses did with his glory. God revealed his glory to us in a child. In the child, we got several in the congregation. What's not to love about a child, right? What's not, Rita? Huh? Uh, you know, what's not to love about a child? They sneak their way into our hearts, right? Um, God has blessed you with a taste of his glory in a humble king who came to earth as a child, as a child. Oh, how many times have you cried out like Moses? I love, we don't have time to unpack it all, but I love that whole sequence. I included that whole passage for you because, because Moses wanted, wanted to know God's ways. Did you hear that when Tom was reading? Show me your ways, God. And, and some of you are in that place this morning. God is moving and you don't understand what he's doing. And you trust him enough to say, God, I want to understand. Show me your ways, right? And God says, no. If you're Moses, he says, I'll, 
I said, I'm just going to show, I'm going to be with you. My presence will be with you. Again, how long? 1,400 years before Christ. God gave us a foretaste saying, my presence will be with you. And, and I don't know that Moses understood. Did you hear his confusion there? He said, God, if you're not going to be present with me, I'm not going anywhere. Right? I'm not going outside this door. A little loose translation. If, if you aren't with me, right? He didn't get it completely. But God, I want you to show me your glory, right? God says, I can't show you my glory, Moses. If I did, if I showed you my glory, you would die. You would die. Moses, uh, this amazing uh, man of God, right? Uh, Numbers 12 the most humble man to ever walk a face of the earth at that time, right? Um, God says, you cannot handle my glory. Show me your glory. And God says, you know what? I'm going to see you and raise you one, Moses. I don't know why I'm using betting language in church. I'm going to show you my goodness. I'm going to show you my goodness. angels out there experiencing what Moses didn't experience. Trying to wrap their brains around the glory of God and frightened to death. Right? And, and the angel speaks to them and says, don't be afraid. Yeah, right. Right? Don't be afraid. You can say this with Linus and with me. Right? For I bring you Good news of great joy. Would you say that with me? Good news of great joy, right? Don't be afraid. Remember, my goodness will be with you. My goodness will be with you. Those of you who know me, for the next two minutes, I'm going to be saying words with my mouth, and my mind's going to be going puppies, 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 okay? To try not to lose it here. But we got some pretty good news of great joy. Right? So you've got some pretty good news of great joy, too. I got two of them. I was playing basketball yesterday in Tammy, wherever you are, Tammy. Tammy shouts across the thing, Grandpa shouldn't be playing basketball, right? <laughs> Grandpa shouldn't be playing basketball. And I'm going, Yes, I, that wasn't the first time I knew, but I, I had to keep it a secret from you for several weeks, right? That God is a God of good news. So then my other daughter gets lost, and not lost, but travels across London, missing her connections, and all of a sudden, guess what? All those same fears come in, right? And I, I, I texted the elders and others. I said, man, I'm beyond myself. I need you to pray that She's making her way across in the middle of the night. I think she got to her hotel at like 1 o'clock in the morning on the far side of London. I need you to protect her. I need you, God. And I get this little text. Uh, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in the hotel. And then I get another one. I'm in the airport. Thank you, God. Then, then I'm in Munich. I don't know why you fly from London to Munich to the United States, but she did. Then I'm in Chicago, right? It's like that old ghost story. I'm at the foot of the bed, right? And then at 2.30 in the morning, somebody grabs my toes at the foot of the bed. And it's my daughter home from four and a half. I got good news. I got good news. God says that's nothing. That's nothing. Puppies, puppies, puppies. 
that's nothing compared to the good news I have for you. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. If you're taking notes, write all three of those down, right? We saw you shall call him Jesus, right? Or God saves, right? We saw when he spoke to Mary, right? And, and Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 says his name is Jesus, right? Now the angel is saying to us, he's here. He's here. All the goodness of God wrapped in glory is present with you now. Unto you is born this day a Savior. Does anybody need saving? I do. I do. But not only, not only is God sending you a Savior, God constantly sent Saviors to His people. The whole Old Testament is the this, this testimony, right? Time after time after time, people would be in a pickle and God would send them a Savior and they would deliver them and the people would be, okay, I'm cool now, God. I don't need you anymore. Right? And that, tech, that testimony is ours sometimes, right? When we're really hurt and we cry out, oh, we cry out. And then God answers our cry and, and, then, and then we say, okay, I'll take it from here, God. I got it now. Thank you. Thank you. I'll call you again when I need you, right? I... I I've got this. Time after time, God gave saviors. But this time it's different. This savior is not named Gideon or all these names in Hebrew I can't pronounce, right? His name is God saves. A savior who is, and he uses the Greek form of the word, he uses the word Christ. That's not Jesus' last name, right? It's not like Dave Mills, Jesus Christ. No. Christ is the word the Hebrew word Messiah, not just a Savior, one to deliver you temporarily, but one whom from the foundation of the world God has set apart to, do, to, to deliver you completely, to save you completely. The Messiah has come. And you don't, you don't fully understand this because, because even to this day there are, there are millions of people who are still looking for the Messiah that has already come. That is available to them. That word you is not just the shepherds. That word is for all those, right? All those who would risk putting their weight down. All those who would risk believing that that might be true for them. Unto you is born a Savior who is the Messiah. And not only that, but He is Lord. In other words, He's the sovereign over your life. You don't have to know about tomorrow because he's got tomorrow in his hands, right? You don't have to, to wonder what the days of your life will be. He's got every single one of them, right? You don't have to, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, to worry about the hairs on your head because he counts them. He knows them, right? You don't have to wonder about the stars in the sky because he calls them by name. He calls them by name. I'm afraid I'll forget at the end, so I'm going to ask you right now. How do you know Jesus? He has so many names, hundreds of them in Scripture, because everybody who experienced him named him, right? But 
But to the shepherds today, he has offered a, a starter kit of names that you can know Jesus by. God saves. My Savior. My Messiah. My Lord. My Lord. I'm not done yet unless you get your hopes up, but pray with me just for a second, would you? God, thank you. Thank you that you have come crashing into our world. That the news for that those the shepherds is the same good news for us. That our Savior has come. And, and our Christ has made Himself known, has become flesh in this tiny little baby. The King of kings and Lord of lords is here and available to us right now. Oh, I praise you, God. Help us to know you in each of these titles. And that will be enough, God. Your presence, your goodness, your name will be enough. Amen. Amen. Well, the glory of God is, uh, is amazingly frightening. Um, but God has made a way. He translates glory into goodness, right? And for us, good news Good news is ours. But, but there's a, something I want you to note here. In both Moses' story and everyone who encountered the glory of God, that glory leads to something. Glory, the glory of God always leads to a human response, and, and that human response is surprising. The, the, the glory of God leads to humility. Leads to humility, right? Every time we start to think that that, that we have got this, any of the titles, that we can save ourselves, right? That we can be our own Messiah, that we can be Lord over our own lives. That's the message that the world preaches. You be your own Lord. Every time we come to that place and then encounter the glory of God, we repent in dust and ashes. We go, oh God, forgive me. I had no idea. And beloved, you would be so... So many steps ahead if you would risk going there before you have to. One day, uh, as Sarah read, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. In heaven, on earth, and in hell, every knee is going to bow, right? Every knee is going to choose humility. Why not do it now? Why not risk believing that there is someone who knows you better than you know yourself, who has your needs in, in the center of his will, and is going to provide for you. He wants to reveal to you his, his, his ways, his glory, his goodness. But choose now. Choose now. What would that look like? What would that look like to choose that now? He tells us. The angels tell us. Start by not being afraid. I hate to quote football coaches in the middle of a passage on, on the glory of God, but, but maybe it's true that, that we become cowards, right? We've been so busy, so wrapped up in our own stuff, so weary. Can I get an amen? Um, that, that, that we just live in constant fear. And, and the angel says, the first step toward that is to choose 
not to be afraid. Choose not to give in to fear. Again, if you haven't been with us, we've noted over and over again that at least 365 times in Scripture we're told, don't be afraid. Okay, well, great, God, for you to say, don't be afraid, but... uh, but I need something more. I need my Elizabeth, right? I need some affirmation, some confirmation. And, and, and look what the angel does. This will be a sign for you, right? And we don't have time today, but that's a really powerful word in Scripture. Sign, right? I'm going to give you an affirmation why you don't need to be afraid, shepherds. Even though you just got your hair blown back by an angelic choir, I'm going to give you this, this affirmation. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, right? And lying in a manger. We're going to unpack all of that on Christmas Eve. But I'm going to give you a very... I'm telling you what will be. And, and, and that, will, that will take away your fear. And they go, right, to Bethlehem. Probably not far. Probably just less than a few miles from where they are. And they find it exactly as God had said. Right? Exactly as God had said. We were debating in our Sunday school class, how could that have been? That they just go in there, was there, was there that, that starlight shining on it? That, I don't think that shows up for another couple of years, you guys. Um, um, it wouldn't be hard, right? Just go into a tiny little town and say, uh, anybody uh, pregnant and giving birth out of wedlock in this town? Right? Oh, yeah, right over there. Nothing secret in a small town, right? I, I, my um, mother's side of the family grew up in Winslow, yeah, the Winslow, Arizona. You can stand on a corner there. The problem with Winslow, Arizona is everybody knows everything. What you whisper in your bedroom is all over the front page of the weekly rag next time it comes out, right? Um, they find Mary. And they find the baby exactly, exactly as the angel had said. And they add their voices to Elizabeth's, right? Did we read that part? I'm I'm, I'm out of daydream right then. Mary treasured these things. Oh, we didn't read it because it was a part of the uh, Advent reading. It says Mary, the, the shepherds tell them, you wouldn't believe this, but an angel just showed up out in the field and told us exactly what we would find. And, and they all were wondering what this meant. Their minds were spinning, trying to understand. And, and, and you know what I'm talking about, because sometimes God does things in your life that cause your mind to just spin. And you're going, I thought you loved me, God. I, I thought all these things about you. And now, now I don't know where I am. I don't know what's going on. They were marveling. And then someone comes into your life and speaks exactly that word. You see how important it is, beloved, that, that we speak truth to one another. That we encourage one another. Someone speaks those words into your life. And, and everyone wondered. Uh, some Bibles translate it marveled. Um, um, but Mary treasured. She's, she's got this little box going. She's picking up. Ooh, there's Elizabeth's testimony. There's, there's, we're going to see even a couple more next week. There's all these testimonies. There's the shepherd's testimony. Um, God is trustworthy. God is able to do what He promised. And, and she treasures them in their heart. The shepherds, it's, all, you know, it's so wrapped up in carols that it's hard to separate the carol from the scripture. But the shepherds went out and praised God, glorified God. 
Father, if you were with us last week, magnified God, made God big and themselves small, right? And, and told the story. We're telling it today because the angels told, excuse me, the shepherds told the story of what God had done. Well, fast forward with me for just a moment, if you would. I hope I can do this. To Easter Sunday morning, right? This is the front part of the story. Easter is the back part of the story, right? Not really Pentecost is, but but it's an important piece of the puzzle. And and God does something amazing. And some women show up to the disciples, right? And and share the story that, that the tomb is empty. And they say, come and see, right? Come and see. And then that amazing story in Matthew 28, they're commanded, go and tell. Um, Isn't it interesting that at the beginning of the story is the same as the ending. The invitation of God is for us to come and see for ourselves. We don't have to believe the shepherd's testimony. We don't have to believe Elizabeth's testimony. We don't have to believe Mary's testimony. We can come and see for ourselves. And see doesn't just mean look. See means experience. We can experience for ourselves this good news of great joy which shall be for all the people. We can do that. I'm going to go stronger. We must do that. We must do that. But then if if God allows you this Christmas to experience His His ways, we start back in Moses, right? to experience His goodness, to experience His glory, then you've got to tell somebody. You've got to tell somebody. And not only will you be affirmed, but God will use you to bless someone else. It could be as simple as saying, will you come with me to church on Sunday? Will you come uh, to a Christmas Eve? Can we... Can we sit at lunchtime together, I want to tell you about my God. Right? It might be as simple as we saw uh, a couple weeks ago as one-minute testimonies. One-minute testimonies about what God has done. But if you're willing to come and see and then you're willing to go and tell, you will experience the joy of Christmas. Not the shopping malls, not all the other things that are good, but not Christmas. You will experience the joy of the presence of Christ in your life. Pray with me, would you? And I thank you, God, again for the many testimonies that we have seen, not only in Scripture, but in our lives. Many of them sitting in this room right now of what good things God has done for us. But God, we know that you're inviting us to the greatest news, not just good news, the great news of the gospel that shall be joy for all people. God, you're inviting us to experience a Savior who doesn't just deliver us from our current circumstances, but transforms our eternities. God, thank you that you are offering to us someone who moment by moment and day by day, if we will risk it, if we will allow, 
if we will leave the fields and go and see for ourselves someone who could be our Lord and speak into our lives in a way that would do us good and bring you glory. Oh God, help us, would you? Help us to choose this Christmas to come and see for ourselves. And then God, believing that you are good and that you are glorious to go and tell it in our homes, in our city, in our workplaces, on the mountains, God, to to go and tell the good news of great joy that a Savior is born to us. Now we love you, God. We invite you to be glorified even as we stand now and worship.